morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we have a new episode of Coffee and Canines. If you're new to listening to the show, basically this whole segment is created around the listener. I want to answer your questions and offer you credible advice that you can use in your own home to restore peace within that environment, or perhaps just make it more enjoyable for you and the dog. (laughs) Dear Dog Guru, I love the show and have heard every episode. You've inspired me to have a kinder approach with my super stubborn dog. I did have a question though. What do you think causes a dog to snap and bite an owner? When it happens, how do you know when it's time to put the dog down and there's no hope in fixing it? Gerald Montserrat in Canada. Wow, off to a good start with tough questions. Okay, so the first thing I want to say is that I'm an incurable optimist. Often with dogs, I, especially when I was doing evaluations and consultations, I would find so many more situations salvageable than the owner originally expected. So for me, unless I've had somebody that has fully worked the problem through, identified triggers, you know, committed themselves to the process of rehabbing the problem. And then we're not seeing any improvement. I'm not talking about substantial improvement initially, but just any improvement. That's when we need to start talking about why that's happening. I will tell you that as far as euthanasia goes, it is the leading cause of death in dogs. um, Mostly because there are situations where either the dog is ill or the dog cannot possibly be turned around. That being said, I never jump to euthanasia. That is never my first response. And I feel like as owners, we have a responsibility to do our best to try and fix the situation with a qualified professional before we turn in and go, this isn't going to work. It's not, we're not getting anywhere. And sometimes it takes a few different professionals. You know, if you don't have an animal behaviorist involved, I can tell you right now, you're you're starting with half the deck that you need. I really don't believe in jumping to conclusions. Uh, I always have more of a proactive approach. I've worked with several dogs that had attacked their own owners or family members. And once we had structure involved and they knew how to respond to the dog and what they were doing that was really contributing to the behaviors that they so wanted to you know, extinguish, it really turned the situation around permanently because often there are contributors that we do and things that we are doing as owners, not only around the dog, but to the dog. So without taking our own personal inventory, I feel like we're not giving what we should be. And to me, that's a chance. I will not lie and tell you that every single case can be saved and every single situation can be rectified because sometimes it can't. Sometimes it's an environmental issue and then sometimes it's a commitment issue. And especially when it comes to aggression, there needs to be a lot of consistency and a lot of commitment to a process to have any chance of turning it around. But if you don't invest yourself, you know, wholly in that process, then you're really not doing what you should be doing as an owner, in my opinion, because you can't just turn the dog over to somebody else. And you certainly can't just assume the problem isn't going to continue to escalate or it's going to resolve on its own given some time. Then you need to take into account things like history. How long has the dog been doing this? Does it seem like it's coming out of the blue? There could be a medical problem. There could be a brain tumor. There could be thyroid issues. I would always run a full blood panel when a dog is acting completely out of character. And specifically on the thyroid, checking the T4 levels are very important. So before jumping to conclusions, be sure to consult your vet on this and explain to them 
the frequency and when you first notice this. There could be tumors, hormonal imbalances. There could be an injury that perhaps you can't see very easily, but a vet could pick up on that are really adding to what you're seeing now, especially if you've never seen it prior. And then, you know, we've talked about kids and dogs and how those can create triggers within the family unit. And we've also talked about how if we have an abrasive approach, we get a defensive animal. So all of these things need to be checked off one at a time to make sure that we're covering our bases. Now, this isn't to say become a target for your dog. It's actually saying that if you want to see something change, you have to be the compass in that storm. You know, especially if this is something new, I can almost assure you that there was a huge trigger or there's a big thing that needs to be identified within them biochemically, which is affecting them emotionally. Once you've got a clear panel back from the vet, now it's time to dig into behavioral, which means, and a lot of behaviorists will not work with you until the full panel's been run and perhaps even some scans have been done. So once you've done your homework there, now it's time to speak with someone who's actually qualified to fix and help you with your problem. Somebody that can identify what is going on and what safe steps you can take. You know, this may include muzzling the dog initially to protect you from getting attacked if that's been in recent history. Perhaps there will be boundaries installed or exercises that may seem a little juvenile for you, but perhaps there's some lost language or the dialogue has for some reason broken down. I saw a dog one time that had never had any incident of aggression in his history. They moved to an apartment complex and all of a sudden the dog was hackles up all the time and really defensive behavior. And one day his owner tried to intervene and he bit the owner. So when we started picking all of this apart, there were two things that were huge contributors. One, the dog really felt like he lost his freedom. Not only was the owner now working longer hours, but he was in a much more restricted space with less exercise, less interaction. And when he was outside, he had all this pent up energy. And so if another dog acted out around him or even at a distance, he would eventually snap. He, he, lost the flexibility that he once had because he had no outlet for his energy. Now, on the surface to the owner, this just looked like he his dog was losing his mind. But in reality, there was pent up energy, which was then turning into anxiety, which then manifested as aggression. So everything has a process. I'm happy to say that in that particular case, the dog was fully rehabilitated when the owner started taking uh, a proactive and instead of a reactive response, a proactive approach, the dog shifted within the first month. I mean, we saw some massive jumps in positive change almost immediately. I mean, even in the first session, he was becoming responsive because he felt like someone was invested and they were breathing new life into the bond and the relationship that was already there in the past, but kind of got lost in the shuffle with the change in environment and change in schedule. You know, when a dog is difficult to reach, you have to, or I have to, ask why. What is it that is closing the dialogue down between me and this dog, or its owner and the dog? And there's always an answer to that question. Always, always, always. Sometimes it's an environment shift. Sometimes it's a new member in the family. Sometimes it's a change in schedule. Dogs are very intuitive, and they're very connected to having some predictable normalcy in their schedule. So when 
essentially that gets shaken like an Etch-a-Sketch, they go into panic mode. You know, they don't know how necessarily to respond. And sometimes they'll, you know, withdraw. And in other cases, they'll essentially go on the offensive. So it depends on the individual. And for me, I never say that it's an unsalvageable situation. In my entire career, I think I've got three or four cases that were not situations that really offered the hope of stability and rehabilitation. And I will say in those cases, it was always predatory aggression. Dear dog guru, my puppy has made me into his own personal chew toy. He's always biting and nipping me. I tell him to stop, but he never does. Can you help? Sierra Chavez of Santa Rosa, California. Well, Sierra, I think anybody who's had a puppy can identify with what you're dealing with right now. A couple techniques you can try right now today are first, of course, teaching bite inhibition, which you do by yelping really loudly like a puppy would, which kind of reminds them that they've superseded a line. And then, you know, if they're if you're actively playing with them immediately end the game. So that there is a strong sense of, okay, as soon as I do this, all the fun ends. The second thing you want to be sure you're doing is redirecting the dog. Give him something acceptable like a tug toy or a wubba or a Kong toy and have him focus on that because it's very normal for puppies to need to release tension through the jaws and their jaws are growing and developing. And so nipping is something they would do with a litter mate. But when the litter mate yelps, they go, oh, sorry, man, that was too hard. So, you know, that's that's where I would start. And then when you're talking about things like redirecting, direction, giving them either a new job that's completely unrelated, like asking them to do cues for you where they're completely hands off is one option. And the other is giving them something they can chew on. It's a good thing to point out at this point that what you're seeing is an aggression. It's just a developmental stage. Often though, if nothing is done about it, it goes from being a puppy problem to a permanent problem. So work towards redirection, giving the dog acceptable things to chew on because that desire and that need is certainly more prevalent now than when they do reach adulthood. But best to work on it now while you have the ability and the time and a structure to it. You know, dialogue is important with your dog. You, you've probably heard that so many times that I'm blue in the face and you're sick of hearing it, but it it is true. You know, you can't just tell the dog no. You have to show them what they should be doing in lieu of what you're seeing that you don't like. And always promote that behavior. Positive feedback, treats, you know, maybe you start working on a game like fetch. So this way the dog feels like they're getting engaged with and they have something to put their mouth on, but your hands aren't the target or the butt of the joke. Dear dog guru, it's hard for me to write this or put into words how I feel, but it may be time to say goodbye to my dog. I'm so conflicted, but she isn't herself, and it's getting harder and harder for her to do normal eat or go outside. Have you ever been through this? And if so, how did you react and how did you know it was time? Signed, Heartache in Seattle. I think you have touched on a very important subject because not only have I been through this myself and it was very difficult to let go of my dog and know when it was time, but I think it's one of the things that we most dread as owners. You never want to have to make a call like that, but I do feel like if a dog is in pain or if their quality of life is so far inhibited that they aren't experiencing a full life, it may be time. 
you know, I completely sympathize and empathize with what you're going through. I know it isn't easy. I know it is probably one of the hardest things you'll experience because you feel like you're not only losing your companion, but you're losing a piece of your whole life. And while that is a difficult thing to wrestle with, if you've taken the dog to a vet and they've said, you know what, there's no hope for a turnaround here and you are doing your best to make the dog comfortable, but you're seeing him emotionally withdraw or perhaps you hear whining on a regular basis. I'm just giving examples. Um, it could be time to say goodbye for the last time. I do have a suggestion, though. I know how deeply bonded our listeners are to their dogs and how much a lot of them are identifying with what you're saying, either they have a sick dog or they have a senior dog. I myself has have a senior dog. And I know that at some point it will be time. But my suggestion is this. If there are things that your dog truly enjoys or special moments that you've always wanted to have with them, start those now. Make those moments possible now. The other suggestion that I have is take lots of photos, lots of videos. Um, I know that on the day that I had to let my dog go, um, it was extremely painful and it was right around the holidays and it was traumatic for me. And I, to this day, look at those photos and while there's a, a nagging sense of pain there's also that memory of having that last day with him. So try and do things that you feel will leave not only a good impression on your dog, but help you adjust to this process. Start the grieving process before you ever have to let go because there's an em emotional component here that, that not only begs to be expressed, but for another thing, you want to be emotionally fully prepared for this, as, as prepared as you possibly can be. I think every owner that's ever had to make that call felt exactly the way you do. They were torn up about it. They, I know myself, I, I was really wrestling with it. I, I always, being the optimist that I am, always want to see if there's just like one more thing. But I think as owners, we also have a responsibility to make sure that a full quality of life is there. And when it isn't, that we're willing to let them go even when we're not ready. You know, I read a quote a long time ago, and I wish I could place the author. So if you're listening and you listen to this, I'm honored that you tune in. But also, please let me know so I can include you in the show notes. But the quote is... Your wings were ready, but my heart was not. And I think that that is a very deep feeling that we all struggle with and that we all have fallen victim to in the course of owning a dog, several dogs. And it doesn't get easier. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you and say that it's an easy process because it isn't. You know, if you have any sort of deep relationship with your dog and you've spent years building that with them, I don't think anyone would expect that to be an easy process. But while you still have her, this is a good time to make some final memories, something that you can hold on to, something that you may preserve with videos or photos, and really one day look back on, and those memories will flood back to you. They'll course through your mind, and in their own way, they'll offer aid in the grieving process, but they'll also help you to collect yourself and remember things that were beautiful about your relationship and amazing about your dog. And like I said, this is not an easy process. I've been through it. Um, I now have a senior dog and it's a, a terrifying thought 
to think I may lose him. And we've had a close call once before. So I have to tell you, I took so many photos and videos when I thought I was going to lose him that my phone literally lost the ability to take on any more data. I mean, that's how many I took. But I have to tell you, had he left this world, either of his own volition or because I had to make a hard decision, I would have had that. And I still have it now. And when it does come time, I highly recommend you taking somebody who loves you and loves the dog with you because you're going to need that support. It is not an easy process to go through. Um, the grieving process doesn't start for a while. Sometimes there's like periods of disbelief and fear and you might feel sick and all of these other things. And I feel like that stuff isn't really talked about very often, but it's all very real to this whole journey. And at some point, I feel like as an owner, we know when it's time. And at that point, we need support too. So be sure you have either a series of people that you can call or someone that you can have be with you because you certainly shouldn't have to endure what can be both traumatic and honestly life-changing. So don't go it alone. If you would like to speak with me privately about any of this, I would be happy to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, not in a public forum, just you and I. So this way you can decide when it is time. And I would never make that decision without consulting a veterinarian because perhaps there are things that you haven't looked into or there are options for your dog. But if they're essentially corroborating what you feel and what you see, then take it in steps, do it with a support system, and please reach out to me if you need me. I'm really humbled that you reached out in such a difficult time and I appreciate it. And I just want you to know that I'm sending positive energy, big hugs and warm thoughts your way. I want to thank everybody who's listened in today. I, I love the questions that we got. Some of them were more difficult to answer than others. And I think those were not only important to touch on, but, you know, this show isn't just built around the good stuff, you know, or training behavior problems in and of themselves. You know, there are lots of layers to being a pet parent. And I'm grateful for you guys sharing your stories and your journey with me. If you guys haven't already, be sure to rate the show on iTunes. We're also on Spotify and Podcast Addict and all of your favorite podcast apps and platforms. And then please share us with your friends and family so that they feel that they have the same resource that you've come to find and enjoy. If you haven't already, find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash dog guru podcast. And then a personal note, I'm actually on the hunt for a large breed puppy. So if you could help me find a formidable understudy to become my new student. I would so appreciate it. I'm looking for a reputable breeder. And right now I'm considering Bernice Mountain Dogs, Newfoundlands, German Shepherds. Uh, I've looked at Akitas. So this is me reaching out to our network to see what's out there. And if anyone can help me and aid me in my search for my new canine companion. As always, you can contact me at dogguruhereforyou at gmail.com. You can also send me any information with regard to 
to my search. And then, of course, as always, be sure you're subscribed so that you can get the latest and greatest on all things Dog Guru. My last announcement is that we were recently on the show Varmints, which is now live, and I'm going to include a link so that you can listen to my guest spot on the show. It's a great show. They always profile a different animal and find experts in those fields to give them more information about the animals that we live with and around. So definitely check that out. It's in the show notes. That's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. Namaste.